Good morning. It is a Monday, and it is Kale and Company Live. Great to have you along with us. Hope everyone had a wonderful weekend. Thank you for joining us on this uh, brisk and clear uh, Monday morning. Thanksgiving week officially underway. Kale and Company presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Northeast Delta Dental has individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. Learn more and you can find your plan at anydelta.com or deltadentalcoversme.com. We are awaiting a call as we uh, as we do every Monday morning from UNH head football coach Rick Santos. Uh, if you missed it uh, over the weekend, UNH Wildcats completed their regular season with just a truly amazing 42-41 overtime win in Orono, Maine, over the Black Bears of Maine, and uh, as a result, it, well, it was uh, you know a, a day when so much was on the line. A share of the championship in the Colonial Athletic Association, a trip to the NCAA uh, tournament, the FCS uh, tournament. And, well, the Bryce Cowell musket, which is something uh, that uh, is given to the winner of the uh, game between the University of Maine and the University of New Hampshire, which is uh, traditionally, there have been some exceptions to this, but traditionally the uh, last game of the regular season, which this was on, uh, on Saturday. And in just uh, absolutely dramatic fashion, the uh, Wildcats came out on top, 42-41 to 41 in overtime to win that trifecta. A spot in the FCS Division I tournament, uh, a share of the Colonial Athletic Association title, and they have brought the Bryce Cowell musket back to Durham. And as a result... The Wildcats have another home game coming up this Saturday at 2 o'clock against the Rams of Fordham out of uh, New York City. And the Fordham, just looking at some of their scores, they've put up some uh, unbelievable numbers this year. And we are joined right now by the aforementioned UNH head coach, Rick Santos. Rick, good morning to you. Good morning, Ken. How are we doing? Oh, we're, we're doing great. I mean, have you slept since Saturday? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, got, I got a little bit of rest last night, but like anything, I was up already studying on board and trying to figure what we got to do to get a tough, tough win next week. But just unbelievable moment for our program. Oh, uh, you know, as, as you put it, after uh, Saturday's uh, incredible overtime win, uh, the Wildcats hit the trifecta. Yeah, it certainly did. I mean, there was so much on the line for that, and uh, obviously the added pressure. Anytime you play Maine, you know, it's never going to be an easy win. And, uh, we mentioned last week their record wasn't indicative of how good of a football team that was, and that certainly was the case on Saturday. They gave us everything they could handle and more, and, you know, took us to overtime. And, you know, to win in that fashion and our guys storm the field to go get the musket and just uh, the energy and the enthusiasm in that locker room after was palpable. It's just a memory that those guys are going to have for the rest of their lives. Well, you know, I, I was actually watching the game on the Jumbotron at the Whittemore Center on uh, Saturday afternoon during the UNH women's hockey game uh, against Boston College, and we were able 
to show the the final seconds of that game on the jumbotron, and when uh, that pass was intercepted on the two point conversion attempt, uh, the the place went wild. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's so awesome. Yeah, yeah, but so much on the line, uh, Rick. In that one, uh, it was it was one of those uh, ESPN instant classics. Just too bad it was not on ESPN, but it was an instant classic. There's there's no doubt, and, and I think um, you know you got to give their offensive coordinator, Coach Dresner, a lot of credit. I think he put together an unbelievable game plan: four or five trick plays, unbalanced, a lot of motions. Uh, kid Xavier Scott, number seventeen, they found creative ways to get him the ball all day and just gave our defense fits. And I think, you know, defense kind of gave up more points and yards than we have all year. But uh, like, like like champions do, when, when it matters the most, they find a way to get that big stop at the end of regulation to put us into overtime and then ultimately getting the, getting the season-defining stop there at the end. So, so proud of those guys and hanging in tough. And, you know, the offense continues to get better. I think we've been on an upward trend the last six weeks. Um you know, highlighted by Dylan Lobby, was a man amongst boys. Uh, just wow. broke, must have broke 20 tackles on Saturday. It was all over at 190 yards. Offensive line did a good job as well. And then, you know, Max Brosworth continues to take care of the football. Three touchdowns, no turnovers, two for 250. So, great effort. Now, for those that don't know, uh, Dylan Lobby, uh, uh, 30 carries on the day, 190 yards, and three touchdowns. What What an afternoon that was. Yeah, it certainly was, and, and you know, we went into it. We felt like, uh, you know, we're going to have to establish a ground game, and, and they came out and, and just did exactly that. I think it was a really good game plan by Coach Brian Scott and our offensive staff, and um, the offensive line reestablished the line of scrimmage all day. They were physical. They had, they had, they had edge to them, um, and then, you know, when, when Dylan didn't see a perfect hole, he still had the ability to make some people miss in space. He saved some home run plays. Um, so just, you know, the vision that Dylan had all day, I thought. Just, just an amazing game. One of the things you talked about last week here on the show was that you wanted to improve uh, the way the Wildcats were starting games, and uh, and they did. They get off to a, a 14 to nothing lead on the road Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, now we got to finish. It's, one that, it's just like everything else, right? You, you work on one aspect of it, and then, uh, you know, we didn't finish in regulation, but obviously we found a way to finish at the end. But I think... You know, that's, that's what it's going to take, especially to win in the postseason. I've been fortunate enough to, to be in a lot of these games as a player and a coach. It's just your mistakes are magnified. You know, the attention to detail, the focus that you need to win in late November and December uh, is so much more intense. So, you know, for us, we just got to pull from a lot of the great things we did this year and continue to work on some of the things that we need to improve on. And uh, it's winter go home right now, so it's, uh, it's just a great place for us to be. I mean, so many twists and turns in that game. What one thing is, the Wildcats never trailed in that game. I mean, that was a positive thing. But uh, were, were you surprised uh, at the at the end in overtime after Maine scored their touchdown? Were you surprised that they went for two instead of uh, kicking the extra point? No, I, I think I think it was a, a really good decision by Jordan. And, you know, in particular, just the way their season's kind of been going. They lost some heartbreaking games. They had all the momentum at that point. Um, and, you know, they weren't stopping our offense, so he probably figured he needed to end it right there. I, I remember kind of bringing back the moment as an assistant coach, 2013, we were playing Villanova at home, and, uh, you know, con- conventional wisdom says you go for the tie, but we scored with, like, 30 seconds left, um, and their quarterback was just unstoppable on the day, and, and Coach McDonald decided to, and then 
similar situation, even though it was the end, end of regulation, he decided to go for it. Ultimately, we got that two-point conversion in one, but I think sometimes with the flow of the game, when you have the momentum, and it's, it's tough to, to stop that, that opposing team's offense, that you, you got to roll the dice there. Now, after you scored the, the first touchdown of overtime, uh, you had to make a decision a, as well. Uh, you decided to kick the extra point. Did, did uh, the thought of the, of the two-point conversion ever go through your mind? Um, not in that one. We, we wanted to, to give our defense a, a chance to, you know, to force them really to get eight. You know, that was our thought process of just, you know, all right, let's, let's get the touchdown, let's get the extra point, um, and then force them to, to get a touchdown and a two-point conversion, and then ultimately that strategy paid off. So did you think, what, what was going through your mind? I mean, you're not, uh, did you think Maine was going to run the ball or pass the ball on that two-point conversion? Well, you know, if you look at the flow of the game, they were running that wildcat offense when they had uh, Xavier Scott in the backfield with their starting running back, Barnwell. They had a lot of success in that all day. Um, so I, I was assuming they were going to get in that formation because we couldn't stop it. But what had happened a couple minutes earlier at the end of regulation, um, they're, they're one of their starting offensive linemen hurt his knee and, then, and unfortunately had to be carted off the field. So I think it kind of messed up their personnel in real time. Because um, what they what they would do there is bring an extra offensive lineman to get to that wildcat formation, and I, I simply they probably hadn't practiced it um, that deep in their rotation. So it kind of it, it happened to it was happenstance, and I don't think they were able to get into that formation, so they had to try to pass it. Well, Saturday Fordham uh, mentioned just before you came on, they put up a ton of points this season. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, what do you, what are you looking for on Saturday? One of the most prolific offenses, not only you know this year in college football at A level, but in the history of Division One football. Uh, I'm very, very close with their offensive coordinator, Kevin Decker. Uh, we we were student athletes together. He was a backup quarterback when I was here, so he's my guy. Uh, we just we got to tackle well, and we got to get to the quarterback. Their, their quarterback dynamic. Well, Rick Santos, congratulations again on an amazing. Regular season, an incredible turnaround from three and eight to eight and three, and uh, a trip to the, the the postseason once again for the uh, for the UNH Wildcats for the first time in a while. And I, I wish you nothing but success. Uh, Two o'clock on Saturday against the Rams of Fordham at Wildcat Stadium, and uh, we will talk to you one week from today. Look forward to it, Ken. Thanks for having me again. Oh, you're most welcome. Our pleasure. Thanks, Rick. Rick Santos, wow, I don't know how he's gotten any sleep at all after that game on Saturday. And the UNH men's soccer team had quite a thriller last night in rainy Miami. And we'll tell you about that one coming up. Kale and Company live right here, WKXLNHTalkRadio.com. Welcome back. It is Kale and Company live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com, 1450 AM, 1039 FM in the Capital Region, 1019 FM in Manchester and beyond. And we are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Northeast Delta Dental has individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. Learn more and find your plan at anydelta.com or Delta Dental. CoversMe.com. Uh, now, thrilling football game as we just uh, discussed with head coach Rick Santos of the UNH Wildcats. 
And I'll tell you what, soccer last night, the UNH Wildcats in the NCAA Division I men's soccer tournament, the round of uh, 32 after beating uh, Seton Hall in the first round on a Thursday night in Durham. They traveled to Miami, very, very soggy conditions, rained all day, almost monsoon-like conditions, I guess, during the day in the Miami area yesterday. And the game was supposed to start at 6 between UNH and Florida International University in Miami, but it did not get started until about 8 o'clock last night. So they battled it out. A terrific soccer game, certainly uh, unbelievable given the conditions. It was kind of like playing in a swamp between UNH and Florida International University. And uh, they battled, and, and did they ever battle, uh, to a 1-1 uh, regulation tie. So under the rules, they play two 10-minute overtime periods. A UNH, uh, in the first overtime period, uh, gave up an own goal. It went in off a, a UNH player into the back of the UNH net and gave uh, FIU a 2-1 to lead, and that's the way it stood after the first 10-minute uh, overtime period. Then UNH came up with a goal on a free kick in the second overtime period to tie it at 2 to two. And then what happens? After 90 minutes of soccer regulation, 20 minutes of overtime, uh, they go to a penalty kick shootout. And it's, uh, you know, a best out of five shootout. So Florida International uh, allowed uh, UNH to get the uh, first shot. I guess it's the home team's decision. I'm not, I'm not the... Uh, biggest soccer guy around, but UNH got the first shot of the shootout and the uh, Florida international keeper, the goalkeeper, keeper as they call them in soccer, he made a terrific save on the first UNH shot of the uh, shootout. And then uh, the UNH, UNH keeper made a terrific save on a Florida international player. So after the first round of the best-of-five shootout, there was no score. But then, UNH did score on the uh, second shootout uh, shot, second round. Uh, Chris Pinkham, actually, the uh, Concord native, got the score. Then FIU scored. So that was the end of the uh, second round. Third round, both teams scored. Fourth round, both teams scored. Fifth round, both teams scored. Sixth round, guess what? Both teams scored. Seventh round, both teams scored. Eighth round, they both scored again. Ninth round, both teams scored. Tenth round, UNH shooting, and the FIU keeper made a save. So the game was on the line. Tenth round, bottom of the tenth round. FIU shooting, 
and the UNH keeper makes a save. So we continue to the 11th round when Rory O'Driscoll scored for the fourth time in the game. He had the two goals in regulation, or the uh, two goals for UNH heading into the uh, the, uh, uh, shootout. Rory O'Driscoll had uh, both goals in the shootout for UNH. Rory O'Driscoll scored in the 11th round. Then FIU responded with a score. So after 11 rounds, it was still tied up. In the 12th round, the UNH shooter shot it wide, wide to the left. So this was an opening for Florida International. Florida International scored in the bottom of the 12th round of the shootout to escape with the victory. And UNH eliminated on a rainy night in Florida. 10-9 in the shootout. Uh, but what a year it was for uh, UNH soccer, and congratulations to uh, to all uh, of the uh, UNH players, coaching staff, and it was just an incredible game. 90 minutes of regulation, 20 minutes of overtime, a 12-round shootout. Uh, you could not have asked for any more than that, and UNH gave it their all, as they did all season long. Uh, but could not get by a Florida International uh, last night. Uh, lots of thrilling sporting events over the weekend. We talked about the UNH football game, the UNH soccer game. Even the UNH women's hockey team went into overtime on Saturday against Boston College and wound up losing. The women's, uh, the volleyball team at UNH, the women's uh, volleyball team at uh, UNH, they were in the uh, America East tournament over the weekend in Binghamton, New York, and Saturday they pulled off a huge upset by eliminating Binghamton in three sets, three straight sets. Uh, they, Binghamton was the host school. Uh, they were the number one seed, and uh, UNH knocked them off in the volleyball tournament. Uh, UNH played the University of Maryland Baltimore County yesterday in the championship round and lost, unfortunately, in uh, three straight sets. But uh, what a weekend it was. Uh, for uh, UNH Athletics, and again, the football team moves on. Football team will be uh, playing the Rams of Fordham, a school with a tremendous amount of uh, football history. Look it up, folks. Look it up. Uh, Great history of football at Fordham. And uh, they will be taking on uh, UNH, Fordham of the Patriot League. But Fordham did not win the Patriot League. It was Holy Cross. Uh, that won the Patriot League, but uh, Fordham in there at nine and two, uh, UNH now eight and three after their incredible win over Maine on uh, Saturday in Orono, Maine. What a showdown it's going to be! And uh, tickets available right now for that two o'clock showdown on Saturday at Wildcat Stadium. I, it just boggles the mind how much went on uh, athletically with the Wildcats. Uh, over the weekend. And uh, how about the Patriots? Huh? Patriots got uh, an 84-yard punt return in the final seconds of the game from rookie Marcus Jones to lead them to a 10-3 win over the New York Jets in uh, Foxborough. Patriots 14th, 14th 
consecutive victory over the Jets. Patriots now six and four with their third straight win. Jets are now uh, six and four as well, and they both trail seven and three. Miami and Buffalo atop the AFC East, but every team in the AFC East with a winning record at uh, six up and four down. Patriots held the Jets' offense to just uh, 103 yards yesterday, while New York, the Jets, sacked Patriots quarterback Mac Jones six times, and the Patriots have some real serious issues with their offensive line. As uh, David Andrews, their center and captain, was injured yesterday and likely very likely out for the rest of the season. Patriots will meet the 8-2 and two Vikings in Minnesota on Thanksgiving night at 8-20. That's an NBC game. You don't have to have Amazon Prime for that Thursday night game against Minnesota. Vikings, by the way, lost at home to Dallas yesterday 40-3. Kale and Company live. John Leahy will join us in a short time. We'll talk a little bit about Hockey East and what happened uh, over the weekend there. But uh, we'll have more to come right here. Kale and Company live, WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Stay with us. Live. It is a Monday. It's the start of Thanksgiving week. And uh, we're glad to have you with us. I know many of you have plans for the holidays, going out of town, maybe just staying home, sharing the day with the family and the friends. Uh, you know, Cat uh, uh, Martinez, our, our producer. Cat, uh, good morning to you. Good morning, good morning. And uh, you used a term this, this morning on me that I honestly, I, I sometimes I, I think I'm, I'm really out of touch with today's lingo, as it, <laughs> as it were. Uh, but for the first time on Saturday, I, I heard in the course of a conversation that I really wasn't involved in, but I just heard the term friends giving, friends giving. And you uh, greeted me this morning by telling me that uh, – that you went to a Friendsgiving gathering uh, over the weekend. And I, I just think that that is such a great, great term, Friendsgiving. So what's, <laughs> what's the idea of it, uh, Kat? So Friendsgiving is essentially a Thanksgiving celebration with your friends as opposed to your family. Uh, so I went to a little gathering at Feathered Friends Brewing on uh, South Main Street in Concord right. and uh, saw some great friends. And we all brought a dish to share, an appetizer, um, entree or dessert and enjoyed the evening. <laughs> you know, that is just great. I, I think that is terrific. Whether you do it at uh, at a restaurant like like you did uh, or bar uh, and uh, or you know at someone's home or whatever it may be, I I just think that's a fabulous idea. I really do. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. We yeah. even had an arts and crafts moment. Ah, <laughs> really? We ate. Yeah, yeah, we all made little hand turkeys on colored paper. Yeah, and we wrote down what we were grateful for and. 
all of those are up on the windows of Feathered Friends. Uh, Feathered Brewing. Friends, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that was a lot of fun. Which is on uh, South Main Street yep. in Concord, and uh, a great spot. I have to admit, Cat, as I admitted to you, I have never been there. Uh, a friend of mine is associated with that uh, that restaurant, uh, and. Uh, well, actually, it's two, isn't it? It's a, there's a, a a part of the uh, facility where you can get some food and then bring it into Feathered Friends, which is a brewery. Yes, a yes. craft brewery. I can't remember the name. It's a barbecue place. Yeah. that's right next door. Yeah. and yeah, you can order food there. You can bring in your snacks and uh, you know enjoy a nice drink at Feathered Friends Brewing. So yeah, there you go. And I'm I, there. There might have been some adult beverages involved in the Friendsgiving last night. Oh, I'm, absolutely. I'm, yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely, <laughs> there was. <laughs> But uh, but you had a long weekend. I know you were up in uh, the North Country. You were you were rehearsing another show that you're going to be in. So I mean, you had a uh, a real busy weekend. Oh goodness, I know it. It yeah. never stops. Once you get the theater bug and yeah. you start performing again, it's really difficult to slow down. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm in two Christmas shows. Uh, one at Jean's Playhouse. Up in Lincoln, New Hampshire, we do a, a production there the first week of December called A White Mountain's Christmas. And then we have uh, A Christmas Carol, which is actually a joint production with Powerhouse Theater Collaborative and Jean's Playhouse at the Colonial in um, Laconia, New Hampshire. So I'll be doing A Christmas Carol there the 16th through the 18th of December. And I will be there at some awesome. point. At, <laughs> at some point during that weekend, I will be there. I promise you. It's a great show. Uh, and, you know, I, I ran. I don't know if you know this gentleman or not, but uh, I was doing uh, public address announcing Saturday for the UNH women's hockey game, as I mentioned to, to Rick Santos. And uh, singing the national anthem at that event that day was a gentleman by the name of Alan St. Louis. That name sounds really familiar. And Alan is a national anthem singer. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, that's how Cat uh, and I met year, years ago. Cat uh, uh, sang many times the uh, not only the American but the uh, Canadian national anthem at Manchester Monarchs uh, hockey games. And uh, Alan St. Louis, who we're, we are going to have uh, on the show in the not-too-distant future, uh, fascinating guy. He, uh, in 2012, he, he has a number of world records. I mean, I guess these, I don't know if they're Guinness World Records or just... It is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he's got 2012, the most anthems in one year with 217 performances. 2014, most anthems in one day, 10 performances. Wow. 2014, most anthems in three days, 21 performances. And uh, it goes on and on. He's got like eight world records. He has performed... The uh, most anthems in 12 years with over 5,000 performances. That's amazing. I wish I counted mine now yeah, because I, the it, amount of times I've sung the national and the Canadian anthem. Oh, <laughs> I, I know. I NASCAR for a while, too. Yeah. I was on Fox as yeah. well. It was so fun. Yeah. 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 I, gosh, that's so great. Yeah, I, that's, I think that's where I remember seeing him. He's from Nashua, right? Yes, he is. Yeah. Yep. Okay, yep. Yeah, I think I remember seeing him yep. on WMUR yep. talking about that. That's yep. awesome. And he always uh, dresses patriotically, you know, red, white, and blue, and uh, that's... Uh, that that's he, he does a terrific job, uh, and uh, I I was just the only thing I was disappointed, and then there was really I, I guess no no reason to do it. I was hoping he would do the Canadian national anthem uh, as well, 
Because <laughs> I, lo- I love the Canadian national anthem. I, know. I I really do. Not that I don't love the U.S. national anthem, because I do. But I, I just love that, oh, Canada, you know? I think you got used to hearing it when I was doing it. Yeah, the, uh, exactly. Previously and I, named Verizon Wireless Arena. And I, yeah. I, I look forward, I have to tell you, I look forward to the Bruins when they play Canadian teams uh, because at the uh, at the Garden, and I'm just mostly, I mean, once in a while I'll, I'll go to a Bruins game, but not, not all that often. So I'm just watching on TV, and uh, when they're playing a Canadian team, Todd Angeli, uh, who does the anthem at the Garden now for the Bruins? It does a great job with the uh, Canadian national anthem. And uh, before him was uh, Rene Rancourt, who used to uh, do the anthems before uh, Boston Bruins games uh, at the Garden. But Cat, you do it as well as anybody. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, and 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 better than most. Oh, that's true. Yeah, and, uh, and and uh, but Alan does as well. Alan St. Louis, and uh, he'll be on the show. Can you imagine that day? I'm going to have two. Uh, you know, incredible singers on the show, and I, I can't, I can't sing a note. But you'll, you'll be here. Alan will be either here or on the phone, whatever. But uh, it'll be fun to talk to two uh, national anthem singers at the same time. That's so great. Do you yeah. know? Random fun fact: I actually had a song of mine because I have a couple of albums out there um, played with the Bruins practice playlist. Really? So, yeah. So it was no, playing at the TD Garden, um, and it was a part of their rotation and their practice playlist. I did not Isn't know that. Isn't that so cool? Yeah. Uh, I had a friend of mine working in the sound booth at the time when he used to work there, and uh, yeah, he got me a little special in. So that was awesome. Wow. I had that no so idea. Cool. See, yeah, I can check know, that off my list. We all find out something new on this show every day. <laughs> every day. Every day we find out something new. And the, the one finding out is usually me. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It makes for a great day. <laughs> oh, I tell you, what, what a weekend it was for UNH Athletics. I mean, it, it was just uh, unbelievable. And you know what happens today, Kat? It's the start of the Men's World Cup Soccer Tournament. Oh, my gosh. In Qatar or Qatar, as some people say. Some people say Qatar. Some people say Qatar. It's going to be in that country. And uh, the U.S. team takes on Wales today at uh, 2 p.m. Eastern Time. By the way, the U.S. Uh, has the youngest team in the event, averaging 25 years old. So we wish uh, Team USA the best. They have not been in the World Cup in quite some time. So they're over there in Qatar or Qatar, whichever you prefer, and will play their first game today at 2 against Wales. And that is on uh, Fox. I think that's on Fox TV. So... Fox Network. Celtics at 13 and 3 on the year take on the 6 and 10 Bulls tonight in Chicago. The Boston Bruins they're off to an incredible 16-2 and 0 start. They're in Tampa tonight to take on the 11-6 and 1 Lightning. Lightning always uh, very tough at home. That's a 7 o'clock game. Uh, today, by the way, is False Confession Day. If you want to make any false confessions, this is the day to do it. Uh, National Gingerbread Day. Oh, I love uh, gingerbread. With whipped cream. Oh, my gosh. You like it that way, with uh, whipped cream? You know, yeah. I'll eat it with anything. With anything. <laughs> it's National Red Mitten Day in Canada. Uh, National uh, Stuffing Day. I thought that would be Thursday, but uh, today is Na- National Stuffing Day. It's also a Pumpkin Pie Day. I thought that would be Thursday, too, which it is, but today is officially Pumpkin Pie Day. 
<laughs> and it's World Television Day, whatever that means. But uh, World Television Day is also being commemorated on this day, the 21st of November, 2022, as we kick off Thanksgiving week. Hey, we have another singer coming up uh, after the break. John Leahy uh, will join us. He'll update what's going on in Hockey East. And we'll be back with John after these words right here. Kale and Company Live, WKXL and NHTalkRadio.com. and Company Live. It's a Monday. Great to have you along with us. Thanksgiving week is underway. Kale and Company presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Northeast Delta Dental has uh, individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. You can learn more and define your plan at nedelta.com or deltadentalcoversme.com. John Leahy has us covered as far as uh, Hockey East uh, is concerned. John, good morning to you. Jen, good morning. Always great to talk to you, my friend. Well, John, always uh, a, a pleasure to have you on talking Hockey East or whatever it is we might be talking about on that particular day. But uh, I, was, I was talking with Cat uh, on the air during uh, our last segment. And, uh, I, you know, I met uh, our producer, Cat when she was singing national anthems for the, the Monarchs uh, for many years. And then I met another gentleman, well, I, I have met him before, but uh, uh, got reacquainted with uh, Alan St. Louis that has sung the national anthem at various events for, you know, over 5,000, like something like 5,500 performances now. That is just unreal. And he did four on Saturday that I, that I know about. Uh, so, and, but I know, John, you're not only a, a hockey broadcaster, but you are a, uh, a, a performer as well. Yeah, uh, it's uh, something that I've always enjoyed, Ken. I was brought up in a musical family, and um, it's extra special now with the passing of my dad back in May. Uh, he was kind of the one that instilled all the music in us, so I, I always uh, tend to give a little extra energy when I play out now because I know he's watching over me and uh, hopefully uh, being uh, proud of the, the music I'm able to put out. Well, I'm, I'm sure he is, no doubt about that, and I know you'll be uh, coming to town. When I say town, I mean Concord very soon uh, at uh, Area 23. We're, we're, John, we're counting the days. We're <laughs> counting the days. Yeah, it's, it's always, always a great time, Ken, coming up there. Uh, December 14th is the day I'm planning to make the trip north. I have some special uh, stuff planned for that night uh, musically. And uh, I'm, I'm practicing it down in the uh, Leahy Musical Dungeon, or the go. LMD, as I like to call it. <laughs> <laughs> and so we'll be ready for Concord on the 14th of December. I can hardly wait. And the, the question is, though, John, will Concord be ready for you? That's, <laughs> <laughs> that is the question, right? But, well, uh, we... We have a pretty good track record, Ken, so I think we'll be all right. Yep, you're going to uh, rock the rafters at the area <laughs> on uh, on the date again is December 14th. 14th. I have I have it circled. I have my calendar right here. Sometimes awesome. I 
I have to do that, being uh, the age I am, John. I, I forget things if I don't write them down or circle them on my calendar. But uh, at any rate, John Leahy, Merrimack, uh, the men's team coming off uh, a win on Thursday at uh, at Sacred Heart. Yeah, it was a, a pretty impressive road game for Merrimack. Uh, they went down and shut out the Sacred Heart Pioneers on the road. Uh, might be a costly win, though, because uh, Merrimack will be uh, without the services of one of their top scorers for the next uh, at least a couple of games, I would think. Philip Forsmark uh, suffered an injury in that game. But uh, all in all, it was a pretty workmanlike effort on the road. Uh, these are the games that you feel like uh, you have to win. And uh, Merrimack put in a, a pretty strong performance down at Bridgeport, Connecticut on Thursday. And they're going to look to continue that uh, tomorrow afternoon when they have a midweek matinee against the Holy Cross Crusaders at Lotto Rink. Now, that's highly unusual, a, a midweek a Tuesday afternoon game, but uh, I know you will be there for it, John. Yeah, absolutely, Ken. And I think the Thanksgiving holiday has a lot to do with uh, the start time. Uh, right. I know Mer- Merrimack College is closing for classes on Tuesday, so it's an opportunity for folks to come out and catch an early game and then get a head start on whatever uh, traveling they might be doing. You know, particularly for the players who have to, you know, uh, grab flights or whatnot. I, I'm not sure if the if the players are going to uh, fly home since it's a it's a, it's a short week. But uh, anyway, it, it's a way to uh, help with the travel during these uh, busy times. Absolutely. So Merrimack and Holy Cross. If you want to catch uh, a matinee tomorrow at the Lawler Rink at uh, four o'clock. If not, you can uh, see John's description of it or hear John's description of it on uh, ESPN Plus. I'm assuming. Yeah, that's correct, Ken. Uh, every home game uh, for the men and the women are on ESPN+. Plus. So uh, Mike Macknick and I will have the call tomorrow afternoon, and we're looking forward to some great non-league college hockey action. There you go. So let's uh, let's go. UNH still looking, still in search of that elusive first Hockey East win of the year. I know uh, Friday they uh, went down to UMass. Uh, well, they, they hosted UMass, but went down to defeat uh, 4-2. to two. Yeah, UNH played a terrific first period. They came out with a lot of energy. They outshot UMass 20 to 5 in that first period, but I was reading uh, UMass coach's uh, Greg UMass coach Greg Carvel's comments and uh uh he uh really instilled uh, some fire in the Minutemen in that second period. They came out and made uh, a lot of adjustments. They scored three goals in that second period and uh they were able to pick up the victory. UMass uncharacteristically uh, struggling. They had lost, I believe, five in a row coming into that game. But uh, I know if you talk to UNH head coach Mike Souza, you know he would probably have uh, preferred a better effort over the 60-minute haul. Uh, but UMass is, is a really good team, and uh, they found a way to get it done after being down two nothing after one period. What else? Uh, what else happened over the weekend, John, in, in the men's side of hockey East? Well, the only team that had a sweep, uh, Ken, were the Providence Friars, as the, they swept Vermont. Everything else was real close. BU and Northeastern had a split. Uh, it's always great when those two teams play. Northeastern picked up the shutout win at BU, and then the Terriers won in overtime. Uh, also, two great games, Ken, between UConn and UMass Lowell. Uh, they played a, a pair of games in Lowell and then Hartford, and uh, uh, Lowell won the first game in overtime at the Songa Center, and then uh, UConn bounced back with, with a home victory uh, on the second night. Got a couple of teams idle. Boston College and Maine did not play. Uh, Merrimack didn't play on the weekend. They had the Thursday night game, but uh, Providence was the big winner on the men's side, Ken, and uh, we have uh, three teams 
uh, within three points of the top three slots, UConn, Northeastern, and uh, Providence. And the great thing is that the pairwise uh, calculation, the, the pairwise number, which is uh, the formula which uh, determines which teams get into the national tournament, three teams in Hockey East on the men's side are in the top ten for the pairwise. UConn is third, Providence is eighth, and Merrimack is ninth. Wow. Um, you know, you got BU at the at the ten spot as well, and uh, Lowell is at the 14th spot. So, uh, you know, come tournament time, Hockey East could be in great shape. Yeah, it's, it sounds that way. Hopefully they will uh, they will keep it up and uh, represent uh, w- one of the great conferences uh, in all of college hockey. That is, that is for sure. Uh, if not the best uh, conference in all of college hockey, as they're uh, kind of proving that uh, this year. Anyway, in, on the women's side, uh, on, on Friday, the, uh, the top-ranked uh, Northeastern Huskies had a, a close call against uh, Holy Cross. Yeah, Holy Cross played them real tough. Uh, they played at Matthews Arena in Boston on Saturday. Northeastern escaped with a 2-1 to win, and then uh, the Huskies won the next night in Worcester. But uh, the top three teams with sweeps, Ken, Northeastern, Vermont, and Providence, uh, held the course as uh, they they all swept. They also had a uh, sweep from the uh, Boston College Eagles. Uh, they won both their games. BU also swept. So there were five uh, series between uh, Hockey East teams, and uh, we had five sweeps, so there were no splits. Um, Northeastern with a 10-point lead over Vermont. Uh, the battle for second and third place is shaping up to be a good one. Vermont has 28 points, Providence with 27, and UConn with 20. Then you have a, a ferocious race with BC, Maine, BU, uh, and uh, UNH also battling uh, for that middle of the pack. And uh, Merrimack is also in that conversation as well. So uh, you're going to see some great hockey from the women in the second half, and I uh, can't wait to see how it plays out. Absolutely. So uh, an unusual week uh, coming up. Schedule's a little bit different. Uh, what is happening this Thanksgiving week uh, in men's and women's uh, Hockey East action? Well, as I, as I mentioned, Ken, uh, we've got a men's game uh, tomorrow between yep. uh, Merrimack and uh, Holy Cross. That'll be a 4 o'clock face-off. That is the only game uh, involving Hockey East on the men uh, for Tuesday. Wednesday, BU will host Notre Dame. That is a nationally televised game. That's going to be at 5 o'clock. And then, Ken, this weekend we have the Friendship Four over in Belfast, Northern Ireland. And uh, a couple of hockey East teams are heading over to Belfast to perform uh, there. UMass and UMass Lowell will play at 3 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, that is following the Dartmouth-Quinnipiac game. You can see both of those games on Nesson, by the way. Wow, and, nice. uh, so that Yeah, so that'll, that'll be Friday and Saturday. There's a lot of uh, non-conference action uh, on the men's side. Uh, Notre Dame and BC will play on uh, Friday. Also, St. Lawrence and Providence will be playing down in uh, Rhode Island. I'll be doing that game on Providence Radio. Got a couple of uh, Providence uh, Radio commitments this weekend. But uh, Vermont is hosting RPI. And uh, also, uh, you've got Northeastern playing uh, Western Michigan down in Nashville, Tennessee. It's the Smashville. Smashville. All right. Nice. Yep, the Smashville. it's called the Smashville Tournament in Nashville. Smashville and Nashville. I like that. I, yeah, I so like that. I like Northeast, that. Right. So Northeastern will be in action there. And then there's some more uh, non-league action on Saturday. Maine will host uh, AIC on Saturday. UNH gets back to work uh, Saturday night when they travel to Worcester to take on Holy Cross. So you'll see that game on Nesson. And Providence will be hosting Brown in the Mayor's Cup. UConn and Cornell at Madison Square Garden on Saturday All night. Right. In, yeah. 
And that's going to be the frozen apple game. The frozen apple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got Smashville and the frozen apple all in one weekend. Absolutely. So uh, that's that's what's on top uh, for the men. Uh, as far as the women are concerned, uh, we have coming up, uh, BC will host Harvard on Tuesday. There's nothing on Wednesday. And then you have uh, the Thanksgiving holiday. And we have a bunch of non-league action uh, for the women coming up on Friday and Saturday. All right. Well, John Leahy, thanks, as always, for the Hockey East update. And uh, we appreciate it. I hope you have a uh, very, very nice uh, Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving with your family. And we will talk very soon. Yes, Ken. As a matter of fact, we will. We're going to be talking in about an hour because Uh you're the guest on my podcast this week. And uh, we're going to have a wonderful time. And uh, I want to wish you and yours a very happy Thanksgiving as well. Thank you, John. I appreciate it. Take care. Thank you, Ken. Bye-bye. That'll do it. Kale and Company live for a Monday. Thanks for being with us. And we will join you tomorrow. Talk some baseball uh, tomorrow. Right here, Kale and Company on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com.